Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. We thank you, God, that you are moving amongst us, God. We thank you, Lord, that you are meeting every need, God. We thank you, God, that you are pouring out your miracle power, God. And truly, we bring everything to the feet of Jesus right now. Lord, whatever need is in this room today, God, if it's healing, God, if it's provision, direction, God, restoration, deliverance, it doesn't matter. Father, we bring it all to the feet of Jesus. We know, Jesus, that you are able. We know, God, that you are willing, that your power is being poured out in this place right now. And Father, we're careful to give you all the praise and all the glory for what you're doing. And Jesus, we love you and we thank you, Lord. And we magnify you today in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God. You can be seated this morning. Hallelujah. Praise God. It's so good to be in the house of the Lord today. Amen. We're glad that you are here worshiping God with us today. And uh, we believe God's got a good word for you today. Well, many of you know, if you've been uh, in church the last couple weeks, you'll know that we have been um, in a 21-day time of prayer. We've taken the last 21 days and we've been focusing on uh, uh, certain prayers each day. We have a prayer topic that we've been praying and many of you have been praying with us and and, uh, uh, some of you have been fasting and just various things going on and we've been contending. What we've done is we've made a decision to be deliberate. Can you say amen? You know, sometimes you have to, you have to do that. Sometimes you have to say, you know what, God, this is what we're going to do. We're going to uh, step out. We're making the decision to contend and to believe God. And I, I, I have uh, just been amazed at some of the things that God has done. And I want to share with you a story uh, that is probably one of the more uh, um, amazing ones that... Uh, God has done. God, how many know God is a God of miracles? And I, you know, we know, you know, we sing songs like that and sometimes we, we go, man, that makes for a good song, but does God really still do miracles? Well, listen to this story. We received a call the other day here at the church. Um, one of the ladies in our, our um, reception um, desk, she received a call from a grandmother of a nine-month-old baby, or I'm sorry, a nine-day, a nine-day-old baby. And the baby was transported to Sunrise Medical Hospital in uh, Medical Center in Las Vegas, and he had bleeding in the intestines. So he's nine days old. He's got bleeding going on. Uh, The parents were told at the hospital uh, that they were not able to stay that they were not going to be able to stay with the baby and that they had to leave. And you can imagine a, a brand new mother that's her baby is nine days old and being told you got to leave and you can't be with your baby. Uh, so they stayed on the street right by the hospital. Um, they stayed there and uh, all kinds of things. They went to the Ronald McDonald house and they were told there was no room there. It was kind of very, very much a, a New Testament uh, uh, 
um, story, no room in the inn, so to speak. And so the grandmother calls up, and I don't know all the exact details, but I know the grandmother called our church and was asking for assistance, um, just anything that we could do to help this situation. And so we were working on that, and, and then the grandmother asked, could you pray for me? And so our receptionist, she said, yeah, I'll pray. And her, what she told me when she's telling the story, she says, normally what I do is when people ask for prayer, I'll write their, uh, their need down, their name down, and then later on in, in my prayer time, I'll go and I'll lift these prayers up. She's, but she said, this time I felt uh, nudged by God to pray right then. And so she said, okay, let's pray right now. So they prayed over the phone. It was not, there was no dramatic uh, lightning bolts flying from heaven and all of that, but it was just reaching out and trusting God. And uh, they hung up, and it was that was that. The call was done. About a half hour later, the grandmother calls, and she's extremely excited because apparently at that moment, the surgeon had come in. They were going to put a feeding tube in. Um, the surgeon came in and said, the bleeding, there is no evidence of bleeding. The bleeding is gone, and they sent the baby home. That's miraculous. That is miraculous. And then meanwhile, while that was happening, a social worker at the hospital had heard about what had happened to the parents the night before, and uh, before they found, got word that the baby was going home, the social worker at the hospital mate said, no, nope, we're not doing this. We're making accommodations for you at the hospital, and you will be completely taken care of. And so every need was met. Just in a, in a moment of time, God came through. And, and what's tremendous about this is they've only been in Kingman for about six months, and they're looking for a church. <laughs> and so they think they have found the church that God wants them at. And, and you know what? sometimes we don't, we don't always know. You know, the thing about prayer is that sometimes we don't always know. It's, it's, it's great when we, when we get that response and we hear of the miracle that came and we, we hear what God has done, and that really does energize and encourage our faith. But sometimes we don't always see that. Sometimes we don't always hear the results of our prayers. But I can tell you this, this is one thing that I know for an absolute fact. Every prayer you pray, God hears that prayer. It, it goes before Him. It is before His throne. And I can tell you, the Bible says, the Bible guarantees this. He says, we can be confident in this. It's in 1 John chapter 5. We can be confident that if we pray according to His will, He hears us. And if He hears us, He will answer us. That is His word. That is the confidence that we can have in Him that He hears our prayers, and that He answers our prayers. And you know what the great thing about God is, is God knows the exact answer that we need. Can you say amen? amen. It's such a powerful thing. Well, this morning what I want to do is with that thought in mind is I want to bring this series on prayer to a close. And you know what? We've come a long way, and we've learned some very valuable truths, I believe, about prayer. And one of the first things that we've learned is that prayer really is about invading the impossible, isn't it? You know, what, what, what prayer is, is prayer is not some little mystical thing that we do or religious activity that we do to assuade ourselves as being, you know, good people. But prayer is actually entering in, just like he, we talked about in that song, entering in uh, to the very throne room of God and laying at the feet of Jesus the impossibilities of our life. You know, as human beings, we are very limited. 
as human beings in our human nature and our own ability. There's not a lot that we can do, but God has given us this wonderful privilege, this wonderful opportunity to come to Him in faith. And He says, you know what, if you will come to me and pray and believe me, I will move for you. And that's where we take those impossible moments in our life, those things that we can't even fathom, those things that it's, they're overwhelming, they're out of our ability, they're out of our mind. We don't even know how to deal with it. And we can bring it before Him and we could say, Father, will you move in this situation? And God says, yes, I will. And He moves. He moves in our lives. That's you and I. You and I can be a people that see the impossible happen all the time if we'll be a people of prayer. Can you say amen? The Bible says this in James chapter 5, verse 17 and 18. It says, Elijah was a man with a nature just like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. And I, the thing I think that's so remarkable about that verse of Scripture is what he says. He goes, he was a man with a nature just like ours. <coughs> that's kind of a different font, isn't it? I, I didn't do that. It's still there. If you can't read it, you, there you go. Look at that. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. They, those guys in the back, they're awesome. But you know what? what Elijah, it goes, the Bible takes the time to say about Elijah that he was a man with a nature like ours. In other words, Elijah was not this special creature that was, you know, this, this oddity or this ab, abnormal, abnormal uh, person that had this ability that no one else does. He was a man with a nature like ours. And the Bible says, and he prayed earnestly. That underline that word earnestly. In other words, he got after it. He says, look, I'm going to believe God. Sometimes I wonder, you know, I, I, I wonder if when we go to the Lord in prayer, I wonder about me when we go to the Lord. Am I really praying earnestly? Am I really expecting what I pray to happen? Or am I just doing this quaint thing that just says, yeah, you know, I did my duty and if God wants to move, he can no, I think that what we need to do is we need to go to God earnestly and say, Lord, you, you're the one that instructed me to do this. You're the one that told me this is what I need to do. And I did it, and I expect that what I'm praying is going to come to pass. Prayer is not a mystical experience where a few people that are special, that, you know, somehow they... Uh, enter into this place and things happen, but it's an act, it's a privilege that anyone can perform that accepts the challenge. Anyone can step up and say, I'm going to enter into the impossible. I'm going to enter into that place where I see God move in ways that are unthinkable. I think, church, we need to lift up our eyes a little bit I think we need to have a higher, we need to set a higher standard for God. I think we need to raise the bar, as it were. I think God, God says, you know what, I can, I can jump that one in my sleep. Amen. Amen. 
I think God's saying, you know what, let me, let me really show you my power. Let me really move for you. Will somebody believe me for great things? The second thing that we learned is that prayer is not an option. Prayer is not an option. It's a partnership. It's, it's, it's what we do as redeemed children of God. It's the way you and I enter in not only to relationship but into partnership, co-laboring with God in the affairs of this life. We bring everything, the Bible says, everything to Him in prayer. There is nothing too small. There is nothing too big that, that it disqualifies itself from the realm of prayer. That we say, you know what, God, I have a need. It's a small need. You know what, I can't find my phone right now. Would you help me find my phone? Lord, I can't find my keys right now. Will you help me find my keys? My, my neighbor's dog won't stop barking. Will you cause that dog to stop barking? Whatever it might be. It's not too small. Or, you know what, Lord, I have a family. I have a family that's completely unsaved, and I need them to come to Jesus. I, I need them to know you, God. Can, will you bring salvation to their life? I, I have a family. I have children, or I have uh, uh, brothers and sisters, moms, dads, whatever, that are sick in their body. Lord, I bring them to you right now. I think what should happen in our lives is that prayer should be the first resort, not the last resort. Can you say amen? I think we should train ourselves that when something happens in our life, that we immediately go to prayer and say, God, will you move for me? But not only that, it's through that prayer that we communicate with him, that we learn of him, that we fellowship with him. We speak to him and he speaks to us. It's not an option. Can you say amen? Look at Luke 18, 1. It says, and he spoke a parable unto them, to this man, that men ought always to pray and not faint. Always. We should always be about prayer and we should never give up. We should never lack. We should never draw back or, or we should never shrink back from this concept of prayer. Can you say amen? Prayer is God's program. Jim Cimbala said these words. He said, prayer is the most essential thing found in the Bible along with faith and God. In fact, some have maintained that it is true without faith. It's impossible to please God. But the only way to know whether there is real faith is to see where there is real prayer. Because if someone really believes in God, they instinctively begin to call upon the name of the Lord. There's something about faith, the quality of faith, when it rises up in us, it gives us instinctually, it hardwires us to call upon the name of the Lord. Psalm 55, 16 and 17 says, as for me, I will call upon God and the Lord shall save me. Evening and morning and at noon I will pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. Prayer is God's program. Prayer is you touching heaven and heaven touching you. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16, let us therefore come boldly before unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and to find grace to help in the time of need. What is grace? Grace is God's divine ability. 
That's what we find. When we come into prayer, there is a quality of prayer that produces the flow of grace in our life. It's when we begin to feel that energizing, that we begin to feel God begin to move in our lives in ways that we can't any other way. It's that encouragement, it's that, it's that comfort, it's that strengthening, it's that, it's that place of feeling like, you know what, I can get through this and not only get through it, I not only can survive it, I can thrive in it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? See, prayer is a bold entrance into the throne of God. The other day I had Jason come over to the house and he was on his way home. He had picked up, Jason had picked up the three boys from, from uh, 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 Melissa's house, uh, the other grandma, Melissa and Shelby's house, and they were on their way home. And I called Jay. I said, hey, are you on your way? He goes, yeah. I said, why don't you stop by my house real quick? I want to show you some stuff. And so when he got there, he got all the boys out and I, they didn't even ring the doorbell. They ring the doorbell not to, they don't ring the doorbell so that they could come in. They ring the doorbell because they love the button. This is not about announce. They don't even care if they just want to, they just come in. They don't care. They, they come in. The other day we, we were watching the boys and, and I was uh, laying on my bed and I was reading my Bible and, and the boys were playing out in the, in the front room and, and I, I kind of had my door closed a little bit just so I could read the Bible and, and all of a sudden Owen, he just pushes the door open. I mean, you got to just see this. I mean, he's just like two foot tall. He pushes it open. And he's standing there looking at me like with the door like, what are you doing in here? That's how God wants us to come in. Now, there's no doubt our God is a holy God, and there's no doubt we need to learn the fear of the Lord, and, and we need to stand in awe of Him. But there is something about the heart of a child that comes into the presence of their father with great boldness and says, Dad, I'm here. I'm here. And I'm going to talk to you about what's going on in my life. And he says, come on in. It's okay, come on in. I, I, you know what, all of heaven, the council of heaven, whatever that may look like, whether it's the 24 uh, elders on the throne or, or the angels or whatever, you know what God does? He goes, my child's here. You guys, go out, we'll talk later. My son is here. Are you hearing me? And we can come boldly before his throne and we can touch heaven and heaven will touch us. 1 Timothy 6 11 and 12 says, But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay a hold on the eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. What is he talking about? He's saying lay a hold of this thing. Grab a hold of what's going on. He says fight the good fight of faith. In other words, enter in with expectation Fight it out. Say, no, no, you promised God. Your word said you would provide. Your word says you would heal. Your word says you would direct. Your word says you're going to make a way for me. Fight it out. Come boldly before his throne. <coughs> God loves it when we remind him of his word. When we come in and say, Lord, your word says, I didn't say this, you said. You said that if I would give, you would give back, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. You said that if I would walk in love, that love would be poured out on me. You said that if I would walk in righteousness, all these blessings will overtake me. Are you hearing what I'm saying? 
Have you ever been overtaken by something? You ever been overtaken by a freight train? That's kind of that's like what I think the blessings of God are. It's, it's like, you know what, God, you said, if I walk in righteousness, if I, if I walk in your way, if I, if I don't just show up and put my spiritual time card in, but God, I get a hold of you and I come into that place where, where Lord, you, you know what, you are my priority. I, I lift, listen to your word and I feed on your word and I change my life to, 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 to reflect the word of God in this world. You said blessing would overtake me. We have to understand, church, that the fight of faith is won or lost in the prayer room. Can you say amen? You and I need to go beyond the knowledge of prayer. We need to walk in the practice of prayer. Can you say amen? If we're going to be invaders of the impossible, then we must never think that to know about prayer will ever take the place of praying itself. So with that thought in mind, I, I, I want to bring a capstone. Here's our text, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. It says, praying, with, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Now, this verse comes in a very critical passage. Paul has been talking about spiritual warfare, and he begins by telling them to be strong in the Lord. Do you remember that? Remember, he says, be strong in the power of his might, and he's reminding us that the power that we are to exercise in is not our own. It's not our willpower. It is his supernatural power. Then he goes on, and he defines the enemy, and then he describes our armor, and then he sends us into battle. And wouldn't you know it, that the battle is a prayer meeting. That the battle is a prayer meeting. And co contrary to popular belief, prayer is not a f flippant religious ritual that we do so we feel better. Prayer is a lifestyle that flows from those who give themselves to it. Listen to what I'm saying, church. Please understand that what I'm wanting to do today is to encourage you to a lifestyle of prayer. I know, see, listen, I've been a Christian a long time, so what that means is, is that I have gone through the cycles and seasons of Christianity many times. And I know how easy it is to take something, a discipline like prayer, and just set it aside. I know how easy it is to, to minimize it, not because we're bad people or evil or because somehow we just don't want to pray or do all of that, but oftentimes life gets busy. Oftentimes the, the reality is we get tired. We've worked a long day. We've had a lot of stuff, a lot of stress, our mind, our spirit, our emotions, we're stressed out, and now all of a sudden we need to engage in a battle in prayer. And we think to ourselves, dear God, I don't have the energy for that. And so what happens is it's very easy to set that aside or it's very easy just to phone it in as it were, to do enough to make us feel a little bit better. I've been there. I've done that for a long time. 
wondering where are the miracles of God, wondering where is the strength of God, thinking to myself, why isn't things changing? And God says, I'm not going to just do this for you. I've created a system, a program, a a partnership where I want you involved with me. I want you to touch me and I want to touch you. I, I want to respond to you. I want you to respond to me. I want you to talk with me and commune with me. I want you to bring this to me in prayer. This was the heart of Jesus in his, the hour of his, his uh, greatest moment. He's, he's about to be crucified. The Bible tells us that they go to the Garden of Gethsemane and they, they are going to uh, pray and, and they go into the Garden to pray. He's got the disciples with him. Then he takes the three and, and he goes a little bit further. He says, pray with me. And then Jesus goes a little bit further. We know the story. He prays to the Father. He comes back. Apparently, it had been about an hour. And there's the disciples, and they're asleep. These aren't bad guys. These are the guys that are going to turn the world upside down. These are the guys that are going to make a difference. These are the guys that are going to be charged with writing the Bible, changing the world. These are the guys that are going to establish the New Testament church, and they're asleep. And Jesus comes to them and wakes them up and says, hey guys, can't you pray at least for an hour? Just for an hour. And he tells them, he goes, pray. He goes, even, he goes, even if you don't understand why you're praying, at least pray so you don't enter into temptation. I've always thought about that scripture, is that prayer at its very minimum will protect you from temptation. Prayer, will, prayer has an inherent nature about it. It has an essence to it that when you're praying, you are, you are guarded. There's something about it. Jesus goes back, he prays again, and then he comes back, and they've fallen asleep again. And Jesus says, it's okay, sleep on. The hour's passed, the moment's gone. And I don't know what all that means. I know Jesus wasn't condemning them. He's not condemning us. But I know that he is wanting to stir us. Because like I said, it's so easy. It's so easy to fall into that place where we just go, you know what, I just, I just don't know if I have time. See, deep down we know. Deep down I believe we all know that there is something very, very powerful about prayer. But sometimes the habit and the discipline of it escapes us. Well, let me say something to you today. One of the things that I learned from Pastor Howard was that discipline is the maintenance crew of all decision. See, when you make a decision that I'm going to have a prayer life, then you have to follow it up with discipline that says, this is when I'm going to do it. And you do it. And what you do is you enter in. And I know, let me tell you, let me just assure you, if you are new to the prayer game, it is going to feel awkward. It is going to feel strange. You're not going to know what to do. You're going to sit in the room somewhere and you're going to think, why am I talking to the ceiling? You're going to wonder, how do I do this? What do I say? What's the point? You need to press past that. You need to push past that. The way I am learning, and underscore, if you're taking notes, the word learning, it's still ongoing. 
the way I'm learning to get beyond that for me, and I'll just suggest this to you, it helps me a lot to write. It helps me to write things down. I was telling Cindy about this the other day. I was sharing with her why I wrote out the prayers that I do. It's because I find myself in, in, in prayer sometimes and I find my mind moving. It gets, I, I kind of get on bunny trails and I, I get distracted and I get thinking about what I got to do and I get thinking about this. Or if I at least get that dialed in, then when I start to pray, a lot of times what happens is I pray and I, I'll pray for this thing and then it connects to this thing and then it connects to this and this and this and this and this. And before you know it, <clears throat> I'm off in the weeds and I don't even know what I'm praying about. And that's so discouraging to me. So one of the ways I have found to press through that is I write out prayers. And what I've learned, what the other day, I, I was feeling kind of bad about it. So I'm going to tell you what God is showing me. This is hot off the press. I haven't even told my wife yet. So the other day, I was, I was feeling bad because, you know, it's like I was saying to God, I said, God, I don't want to reduce this prayer time down to just me writing notes to you. I don't want it to be scripted. I, you know, it would be like taking Kathy on a date and we get to the restaurant and there's the flowers and the candles and, you know, the lovely music and the atmosphere and all of that. And I, I go, hang on. And I reach into my pocket and I pull out a note. Dear Kathy, your eyes are so wonderfully blue. <laughs> and then read off a, that's why I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't want to read off a script to her, nor do I want to read off a script to God. And I was feeling kind of bad about that. And, but God spoke to me and he says, you know what, John, I gave you this. And so he showed me something. He, he showed me in my writing. I, he goes, you know what, I want you to write and then I want you to stop and I want you to put a pause and put the word pause in. He says, and then what I want you to do is during that pause, that's when I want you to talk about that from your heart. What you just prayed, now I want you to, now I want you to talk from your heart. And then when you're done with that, you move to the next section and wait till the pause and then talk from your heart. And I went, oh, that's cool. So then I started reading my Bible, and I'm right now in the Old Testament in Psalms. And there's this little interesting word, selah. It's pause. It's like, wow, 50 years of salvation. You're just getting it. The boy can be trained. This is what David did. Here is David. Now, David sung his prayers. Good on him. I don't, you want to sing your prayers? Sing them out. But the point is, is what he did is he put pauses in to think about that, to, to talk to God about that, to ponder that. What are we doing? What we're doing is we're pressing past that humanity. We're pressing past that, that stumbling block. Sometimes when it gets really heavy and I'm like, well, I don't even know what to say. I don't even know what to write. God says, I wrote a lot of stuff. Pray read I wrote. And I have scriptures, scriptures that God has spoken to me that I now pray. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so Paul says in our text, pray always with all prayer. In the Amplified, it says, pray at all times on every occasion and every season in the spirit with all manner of prayer and entreaty. 
in the Barclay version, it says, keep praying in the Spirit at every, at every crisis, with every kind of prayer and entreaty to God. In other words, prayer is to be ongoing. It is multifaceted, multidimensional. It's a relationship with our Father that presses us into the countless possibilities of the kingdom of God, and it's how we battle in the Spirit. Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Don't misunderstand the use of a plural form here. Wasn't just referring to the repetition of prayer, but they prayed all kinds of different types of prayer, which was necessary for every situation. And as we begin to wind this down tonight or this morning, I just want to take just a few moments and look at that, those, those kinds of prayers that are listed in the Bible. The first one, the most famous one that we really do need to get our head around is what's called the Lord's Prayer. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus speaking to his disciples, answering them a question. They said, teach us to pray. And he says, pray in this manner. In other words, in other words this is not to be just repeated, but this is the, the, this is the, uh, the uh, outline. This is the format of your prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We begin with worship. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. It's worship. We lift him up. His name describes who he is. Describes the essence of who our Father is. By his name we know him and we lift him up in praise. And then we go from that time of praise and we come in and somewhere along the line, what we do is we begin to invite the kingdom of God and the will of God, which is already established in heaven, to be established on earth. We're welcoming him, calling his kingdom to come and his will to be done. And then we begin to talk to him about our daily needs, our daily bread. And then we ask him to forgive us of our debts as we forgive those who have come against us. And then he tells us to lead us not into temptation, but to deliver us from evil. And this is the one that I find fascinating because the Bible says this, that God will not tempt anyone. But here Jesus is telling us to pray that God wouldn't lead. So is there a problem? No, no, no. This is an expression of the utter dependence that we have upon him. That God, we need you. And then we close the prayer again in worship, recognizing that it's his kingdom, his power, and his glory forever. It's the Lord's prayer. Second kind of prayer is called intercession. Ezekiel 22:30 the Bible says, <clears throat> "And I sought for a man among them that they should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it." God is still looking for men and women to stand in the gap. 
He's looking for people that will stand in intercession. There's something very powerful about that, and there are some people that are absolutely gifted at it. There's something that, there's some, there's some people that it just comes so naturally. There was a, a woman that used to come to our church years ago. She's gone on to be with Jesus now. But she was such an intercessor. And I remember one time Rosemary told me a story about her that she went over to the house to see her. And she had a room in her house. It was her, the place that she did intercession. And on, I don't know if it was a bulletin board or the wall or what it was, but I just remember from the story, she walked in the room and there was pictures all over this wall from people all over, some people she didn't even know, but articles out of newspapers and different things and pictures and places. And Rosemary says, what's that? And she goes, oh, that's, that's my prayer board. I pray for all those people all day long. Something so beautiful about that. There's something we can catch in that, that we can intercede. Church, you can intercede for your family. You can intercede for your coworkers. You can intercede for the church, your friends and relatives. You can stand in the gap for them. Can you say amen? amen? The next kind of prayer is called travail. Galatians 4.19, this is something that Kathy and I do every day. My little children, he writes this, he said, my little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ is formed in you. This is something we quote to the Father every day. We talk to Him, and then we, we enter into a time where we're praying for our children and our grandchildren because we know that what we're doing in that moment is we are literally birthing something in them. We're, we're, we, are, we are travailing. We are allowing the pressure of life to push and, and prod and bring us into this place where we are speaking the Word of God to this situation until Christ is formed in them. It's the deepest agonizing type of prayer. It's literally birthing that which is spiritual into the physical. Then there's the praying in the Holy Spirit. And I want you to listen to this because this is such a, a powerful thing. In Jude chapter 1, it's only Jude's only one chapter, but verse 20 it says, But you, beloved, building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. And then Paul writes in Romans 8, 26, he says, And the Holy Spirit helps us in our distress, for we do not even know what we should pray for, nor should or how we should pray, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. Praying in tongues, praying in the Spirit is what will energize that inner faith. It will encourage you. It will, it will comfort you. It will help you. It will accomplish much in your life. I remember years ago, uh, Pastor Wilson told me a, a story about a a pastor that, that he served under. He actually was on staff in this man's uh, church for a while. And, and I, I've met him. I don't know him really well, but I've met him. But just tremendous man of God. Travel all over the world. Has a very large church in Colorado Springs. And, and he, he told me, uh, Pastor Wilson told me that they were talking one time and, and he, he, they were talking about prayer and they were specifically talking about going and preaching revivals and this type of thing. And this man, his name's Ron Jones, and Ron told uh, Alex, said, you know what, when I go preach revivals, uh, he goes, before I go to the church to preach, before I go there, he says, I'll be in my hotel room, and he goes, I'll spend anywhere from a half hour to an hour just praying in tongues. So I don't do anything else. 
I don't bring the English into it. I just pray in the Spirit. And he told Alex, he said, it has made a remarkable difference in the meetings that I do. There's a dynamic that changes. See, there's something about that when Holy Spirit gets involved. It's called praying in the Spirit. Another one is praying the Word. Praying the Word. The Bible says this in Hebrews 4.12. It says, For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and, the, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and tents of the heart. And when we pray the Word, we activate the Word. We put it into the atmosphere, and it changes things because it's alive and it's powerful. Spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare is a type of prayer. The Bible says this in Isaiah 28, 6. It says, he gives them strength that turn the battle to the gate. When you stand up and you begin to take authority over the enemy, you begin to bind and loose. You declare what's already been declared loosed in heaven. You declare it loosed here. You declare what's illegal in heaven, illegal here. You begin to exercise an authority that comes as your privilege as a child of God. You enter into spiritual warfare, and you are turning the battle to the gate, and God says, give him strength for that. And then, of course, the last one, the last type of prayer is called thanksgiving. Thanksgiving really is a prayer. I love the story of Jonah, and Jason can come if he would like. I'm bringing this to a close this morning. In the book of Jonah, we know the story. We know Jonah was told to go to the Ninevites to preach to them, to tell them to repent. Jonah didn't want nothing to do with it. He heads in the complete different direction, gets on a boat going the opposite direction. The Bible says that God creates a storm and a fish. How many know God's always got a plan? And the Bible says that the storm came up and the men, they had never seen anything like this. They were scared. They were out of their mind. They didn't know what to do. And finally, after a process of elimination, they figure out that Jonah's the problem. And they throw Jonah overboard and the fish gets him. We don't know if it was a whale or not, just like we don't know that the fruit was an apple. That's tradition. It was fruit. It was a fish. Whatever that was, it was big enough to swallow him whole, and it got his attention. And it was kind of like the MCI commercials, can you hear me now? And the Bible says that Jonah in chapter 2 begins to cry out to God. He begins to call on God, and, and actually what he does is he begins to repent. And he says, God, I'm sorry. You got my attention. I, I blew it. I'll do what you said. And then the Bible says this in verse 9. He says, but I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And then in verse 10 it says, and the fish vomited him up on the seashore. So what he does is he prays. He repents and he prays for deliverance. And before the deliverance came, he thanked God for it. He says, I, 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 I sacrifice. I, I will give you what is due you before you have answered my prayer. Jesus demonstrated this. In John eleven forty one. it says, They took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard my prayer. He hadn't prayed yet. <laughs> thank you, God, that you've heard me. 
And another time in Matthew 15, 36, it says, and he took the seven loaves and fishes and he gave thanks and he broke them. He gave to his disciples and his, and his disciples to the multitude. So in both, in all three encounters, prior to the miracle transpiring, there was thanksgiving. What a lesson that is. What a lesson. God's called us to pray. He says, I want you to get a hold of this. I want you to pray with all prayer and thanksgiving. In Romans 12, 12, he says, rejoice in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. You want, to, you want to know how to survive life? No, 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 that's not the right words. You, don't want, to, you want to know how to thrive in life? Rejoice in hope. Patient in tribulation. Continue steadfastly in prayer. If you do that, you're on top of the game. So what are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying make a commitment to pray. I know, church, I... I, when I say this to you, I, I say this with understanding. I know how easy it is to just unwittingly, unknowingly set aside prayer. Just not, not once again, not because we're bad people. It's just, it's just easy to set that aside and be busy about other things. My challenge to you is that you would make a decision followed by the discipline to bring prayer back into your life. And you know, do, do me a favor, would you? Do me a favor. Don't make commitments like, I'm going to pray three hours a day because you won't. Not at first. Not at first. That, that, would, be like, that would be like me getting up and announcing, you know what, <clears throat> next Monday, which is tomorrow, I'll be running a marathon. <laughs> Probably not. I might get my shorts on and my shirt, and I might even get the, my number on the front, and I'll have signed in, but I'll be wore out by then. I may even walk up to the starting line and listen for the gun to fire. And I may even move off the starting line. But I can tell you I ain't finishing that race. Not yet. Now I can tell you that if I begin to discipline my life, and begin to train, not try, train. Don't try it, train. If I train my life, I'll be able to not only run, I'll be able to complete a marathon. May not be this year, maybe in a couple years, may take a while, but I'll get there. But that's the attitude we've got to have. We've got to, we've got to say, you know what, I, I, you know, I, can't, I can't do all of this at once. No, you can't, nor is it expected. What God wants is you to start. Begin. Take the first step. Amen? Why don't you bow your heads with me for a moment? Father, we thank you so much for what you're doing. God, we thank you, Lord, that in these this 21 days of prayer, Lord, so far you have done such great miracles, Lord. We thank you, God. We thank you for the testimony of this nine-day-old baby. Lord, we just thank you that this baby is healed and home and these parents are taken care of. 
Father, what a testimony. What a, what a moment, God, of your power. We give you the glory for it and we honor you. And we thank you for all that you've done, God. We thank you that you are stirring our hearts again. We lift you up today and we magnify you today. Father, I pray, God, that you would birth in all of us a hunger, God, a desire for prayer. God, remind us in those moments, God, when we're going through life, God, remind us, nudge us, say, take a moment to pray, take a moment to talk to me. And we thank you for it. And we give you all the glory and all the honor. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. Real quick, just as, as the uh, prayer team comes. Real Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.